You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. This is the final word. Qatar won, Republic of Ireland won. I'm here with Gary Spain, Derek Kavanagh and David Long. And we're going to go through it all. Um, the final game of the international window. And I suppose just to start it off with the lineup, Gary, you were obviously at the game. There was a lot of changes. The lineup uh, was Bazunu, Coleman, Duffy, O'Shea, McLean, Christie, Malumbi, Hendrick, Horgan, Long, and Robbie Brady. I think it's uh, Bazunu, Coleman, and O'Shea were the only three that stayed in the team from the Luxembourg game. You were obviously at it. Were you shocked when you saw that lineup coming out? Yeah, I was shocked at a couple of things, I suppose, Paul. Um, one, he he stayed with the three at the back. Uh, I suppose I was surprised when it happened in Belgrade, but then given that we lost Enda Stevens, we lost Matt Doherty through injury, uh, the pressure. I mean, I, my understanding was the reasoning behind the three in the back. Uh, the three at the back was to get our best players on the pitch. Now I have seen some speculation that Anthony Barry was behind that. I don't know whether that's right or wrong. Um, but then to stick with it and with. Cyrus Christie and James McLean as the wingbacks as well. So that kind of surprised me. I was also a bit surprised in one way that he made eight changes. And then in another way, I wasn't. Uh, if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have said, yeah, definitely. The, the Qatar game, we're going to have lots and lots of changes. It's the last game. There's going to be two competitive games and shouldn't be much pressure on it. It's a chance to try, try things out. But then, given what happened on Saturday night, we lost to Luxembourg and all the pressure Stephen came under. I kind of felt it was going to be crucial to try and go for the win and that maybe he wouldn't have made so many changes. But then again, you don't know what players were looking like in training. And a third game, and a third international match in six days was really tough. So uh, and another thing about the lineup that I found was interesting, I, we kind of said that Stephen in the last two games had gone with, gone with the younger players, uh, to maybe simplify this. Now, I know he kind of went went against that a little bit in the press conference afterwards, but my point would be he didn't pick Shane Duffy, he picked Darrow O'Shea. He he went for Josh Cullen and Jason, Jason Malumbi in midfield in, in Belgrade. So he had gone with the younger players against Serbia and Luxembourg, and this was a case, a bit of the old guard returning. Shane Duffy was back. James McLean was back, started for the first time in the three games. Shane Long started. Jeff Hendrick started. So... Uh, was it a chance for these guys to re-establish themselves? So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly no way I would have predicted the lineup, but I think it's very difficult when Stephen is the manager to get to predict the lineup. Yeah, Derek, what was your initial thoughts when you I suppose you seen the lineup coming out, and then I suppose in a tactical sense, we surprised yeah, to see us stay with that. Similar, similar to what Gary said there. Like it was more in in terms of tactically that he stuck with a three-five-two after. What we had seen before on Saturday night, especially, um, probably what I mean by that. I think it worked well against Serbia in the sense that we didn't have a lot of the ball against Serbia. They had most of the possession, and I think the the lads set us up really well against Serbia. We were a little bit deeper against Serbia, though. So when you're playing in a three-five-two, at times it was a back five there. So when we did give away the ball cheaply, we had got men behind the ball. And then when it came to Saturday, I think you're up against Luxembourg then and the system is more about keeping possession and looking to dominate a team like Luxembourg. And I think then the system became exposed for us on Saturday in terms of there was a lot of sloppy play. Um, I went through the game and there's literally five minutes worth of us giving the ball away, um, clips to clip out. 
and, and Luxembourg clearly had a game plan. When they got possession, they quickly counterattacked. And I know that chances-wise, not an awful lot, but in, enough to have certainly deserved a draw from the game. Um, and then, as you said last night, then I actually was surprised to see the 3-5-2 again, given how much work was clearly needed in that system um, from Saturday. Um, it, it didn't work for us. And last night again, I thought in the first half, really good, really good, promising on the ball at times. At half time, I think their manager deserves a lot of credit. Um, they sat in, and although it looked like um, we were keeping possession at the time, I thought it was part of their game plan because you can be in control of a game, both in possession and out of possession. And I think ultimately Luxembourg and Qatar controlled us out of possession in terms of dropping off and taking full advantage of our technical, I don't know, what, what word would you place for our, our errors in possession to quickly um, take advantage of them. And I think we, we saw that with the Qatar goal within one minute of the second half. We, we gave possession away on the far left-hand side. And our reaction, our transition was, was so poor. Um, it wasn't picked up on Saturday. Actually, there's, there's, there's clips, and I know you intend on doing an analysis show later in the week or, or whatever, and I can show you the clips of these from the Luxembourg game and the Qatar game, but so slow to react. Um, I think it's Robinson is put on the ground, and he's still on the ground by the time their, their lad is on the edge of our box, and they've got a 6v5 for that goal, if you watch it back. And they've exposed this in the system. Like, if, if you're playing a forward the back, I think you get away with that in terms of you've got full back so you can delay pressure. But with a three at the back, if, if, if you're exposed centrally, down the sides, you can be so exposed with overlaps and runs. And I thought Qatar, especially in the first 15 minutes last night, really took advantage of that. So very surprised to see, long, long answer short, I was very surprised to see the lineup in terms of the tactics, considering how much work needed to be done based on the evidence from Saturday night. Yeah. That, in, ter um, in terms of personnel, though, um, no, as Gary said, look, that, that can be down to training, fitness-wise, so I wouldn't have too much complaints. I would fully expect an Ireland team to go and beat a Qatar team, even if it's mostly a reserve team. I, I hear a lot of lads speaking about, oh, we have championship players. or I think we need to expect a little bit more when we're playing the likes of Qatar or Luxembourg, teams like those. Like Qatar last night had six players from Al-Sahid, um, four of them from Al-Dahal, and the other lad, um, Hassan, who played in centre midfield, he plays for Al-Rahain. We're talking about a team in the Qatar All-Stars League here, Paul. We're not talking about players that are playing for Real Madrid or players that are playing Premier League football or whatever. We're talking about Qatar All-Star League. Um, Santi Casola is still very much prominent until recently in that league, considered one of the better players in that league. It's, it's, like he's, he's long gone past the capable of playing the Premier League. No, not anymore. His legs are completely gone. So I don't buy into the whole excuse that people have been given in terms of, oh, we haven't got the players. We definitely do have the players. For me, the error is more in the system than the personnel. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to more of that as we kind of go through the game. Obviously, David, we were on the walk, watch along and, yep. you know, we were quite surprised by the lineup as well. You know, we were looking at it going, okay, you know, Coleman, we were surprised that he played because it was his third game in six days and stuff like that. But I suppose overall, we were kind of happy with the team. I probably said we wanted Troy Parrott in there rather than maybe Shane Long. But other than that, we were quite happy, weren't we? Yeah, no, we were quite happy. Um, just a question for, for Derek. With playing the three five two, it it is very tiring because if you see him from the Serbia game and Luxembourg game, and the start of the Qatar game, we pressed very high straight away. So we take Serbia 
Luxembourg into account that their style of pressing, it's a tiring job, mentally and physically pressing very high. Um, do you think coming to the third game then against Qatar, that even that we have fresh faces in and fresh players in, that we still look tired from the press? Because the, no, the... No, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, in terms of the Serbia game, I, I don't think we did press high in that game. I thought we dropped off and were very organised. And I think they had like 65% of the ball. In terms of Qatar, um, look, it only no, literally look... lasted, like the press only lasted until half time. And in the second half, then when we came out, it was just a completely different team. You made you made a point before about professional footballers, though. For me, that's just the standard thing. I mean, only three of that Qatar team are under the age of thirty. The rest of them are all in their thirties. Longer, a, a lot of the lads, a lot of the lads have played less than twelve games in the Qatar All Star League. So, if we're talking about fitness levels here, I'm fully expecting their team to be the fitter team than 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 that side last night. To be honest with you, so. You think that you, you think because we press so in, intensely that we might have ran out of steam a little bit, is it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and with all the traveling and and the training in between, like it, it looked like we were our press was so, our press was so intense last night that when we came out second half, it was just like we we tore legs. And I completely agree with your professional football. At the end of the day, I made that point before, but um. You were actually back. You were backing that up against me because I had said yeah. originally that I, I felt as though they just looked like they were off it because they hadn't been playing. But even if, like I, I'm going to go back again. If you're not playing regularly for your club, and you get called up by a national team, like putting on that jersey, whatever country you're from, should give you that boost, that extra fifty, sixty percent boost of saying. Jesus, I'm up for this. I'm hyped. I'm putting on my country's jersey here. So that's another sense where I don't think fitness should come into it. That was just asking for your opinion. There. Do you think well, fitness was? Well, I, think, I, I think players as well need to own up to that as well. Because if you watch uh, Aaron Connolly back against Serbia, like he was in no condition to start that game. Yeah. Absolutely not. So so that's probably on his back more than but we'll put it on the coaching staff's back. I think that was very selfish certainly if it was if it was caught like you know how it works longer in football the manager will approach you and say how do you feel are, are you up for this one so i'm pretty sure that conversation happened between happened. between kenny and and Connolly, and i can i can nearly bet that Connolly's answer would have been i'm raring to go when evidently he was miles off the pace a, a clear sign of of somebody who's off the pace is somebody who tends to give out or moan a lot when they're on the pitch because you know if you're not fit you're looking for every excuse in the book around you and yeah, it's funny it, you say that because when you watch the game there was a couple of balls played into the channels from the run onto and probably chase down or, or make a bit of an effort and he just wouldn't run he did give out about the pass not being defeat yeah he, he literally he was he was gassed he was absolutely gassed yeah. Well, we're going to be doing a separate show, kind of looking back on those. So we'll 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 talk about Connolly and that, but we'll we'll get on to this game. I suppose the yeah. first chance of re- of real no, obviously it, it led to a goal. I mean, there was a bit of play by uh, Hendrick, then it was Coleman's ball to Horgan, a, bo- uh, a volley on the edge of the box by Brady, which went out for a corner. Then um, these a bit of play. Then obviously the short corner. It seems like something that Anthony Barry been working on in you know the time frame that he's been given a very short time frame, but it shows he's already been. You know, getting getting the work done, which is great to see. Horgan to Brady, and then back to Horgan to McLean, and then he scores. Um, some will say it's lucky. We didn't really care. We just wanted to see an Ireland goal, goal at that yeah. point. Uh, Gary, you were obviously at the game inside the stadium. What were your thoughts when that happened? Oh, it was it was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was a brilliant start, and it, it was exactly what we needed. And yeah, 
my first thought was, yeah, this is straight off the training ground. This is Anthony Barry. And I think that's, I think that's more or less been come, come out since then that it was his, his idea and uh, very well worked goal. Delighted for James McLean to score. Um, because he's someone, I suppose all the players do give everything for the country, but James really is someone who wears his heart in his sleeve, yeah. etc. And you could see how much it meant to him to score the goal as well. So I was delighted. It was a fantastic start. And I was really hoping then that, look, this is it. This is the chance we're going to build on this and we're going to go go on and put this team away and win the game. Yeah, uh, Derek, you know, watching that, were you impressed by the goal? Can I come in on a point before that? I didn't. Gary was actually in the state at the game itself. Like, can I ask you a question? Just back on one of the points, Langer actually made there, Gary. Did did the heat, like, did the like the weather in Qatar, did that have any? Do you think, like, how did it feel in the ground? Would do you think it could have had any impact in terms of what Langer was saying about pressing or or no, no, it no. Was... I mean, it, it was in depression in eastern Hungary, so it was about. Uh, I'll see if it actually gives the temperature here on the team sheet, but it was about ten. I don't think it does. I think it, it was, was seven about, degrees. The FAI put up just before kickoff. Okay, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, mm. it might be a little bit warmer than that. I thought maybe ten or twelve. Yeah, so no, no major like. No, no, it was perfect, perfect, game, perfect, right? perfect conditions for football. Mm-hmm. It was a dry evening. The pitch looked perfect. Um, I, so I, no, I don't think no excuses, there was no no excuses, no no other factors on that at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, Paul, what were, you, what were you saying before that? I was just saying about the goal. You know, we impressed by the goal, considering it's not a you wouldn't normally classify an Irish team scoring that type of goal that often. Yeah, yeah. I think um, didn't think Kenny turned to the lad Barry or the lad from Chelsea yeah. that came in. So I'm pretty sure he would have had some sort of input on that goal. But yeah, look at it. It's it, again, it will come back to I, I fully expect that goal to happen. Like that they've been together like a week and a half ago. I'd fully expect them to be working on things like that. I'm not going to over jump or over praise for something like that happening. Yes, it paid off. Well done. But listen, we've had joy from that in the past, and it's international football, top level, full, fully paid coaching staff. So well done. Got it right, but it's not something I would over praise for either. It's something I would fully expect teams to be preparing with in, in depth. Yeah, Dave. Obviously, we were watching yeah. on the on the watch along, and we were a couple of minutes behind, and everyone decided to tell us, so it kind of ruined the moment for us. <laughs> that will take the blame for that again. That was my fault. Um, just in, another. What was it like, Gary? Um, performance wise, because I remember Paul was at the Luxembourg game, and he said that we played all right, but when we were watching at home, it didn't look all right. So would it have been the same watching it live for you, or like? I, I thought the performance in the first half was all right, was was pretty good. Yeah. Um, now, we did... Qatar did push us back a bit after the goal when we'd gone ahead, but I, I thought that was reasonable. The second half, I, I wasn't as impressed, was more disappointed with that. It's a bit disjointed. And uh, I don't think... I, I certainly don't think we did enough to, to win the game by any means anyway. And, uh, and didn't des- didn't deserve to win the game, and it was also I thought it was a very poor game. You know, um, well Derek is making the point that the the level the Qatar players are playing at. Now the one thing I would say in their defence is they're effectively that national team is like a club team. I mean, exactly. they, they're, they're being together, kept, experience. Yeah. Well. yeah, I get that. Yeah. I do get that. Like, yeah, that's so they are being that. kept together, you know, and they're playing so many international matches. I mean, they're playing our World Cup qualifying group, everyone home and away. They're also playing in the CONCACAF Gold Cup in 
in July. They were meant to be playing in the Copa America, but I think because of COVID, it can't happen now. They're playing a series of friendlies as well. So they're, they're playing a lot of matches together. And right. they're pumping so much money into this for this World Cup for them next year. Is they, Now, I don't think they're even looking at getting out of the group, but I think they're looking at being respectable. And I think that's the key thing for them. And that's why they, they, they've obviously given you away for a lot of money for these friendlies. Uh, and we're probably getting a chunk of it as well. But um, it's, it is to test themselves against European opposition to, to improve and everything. And uh, so, look, I would typically expect an Irish team, uh, it was Derek said it, even with a few changes, to, to still beat Qatar. Yeah, well, let's let's agree. let's talk about uh, Qatar and obviously um, one thing that they must get better on is their diving. Literally two minutes after the goal, or maybe a minute after the goal was scored, they go up the other end and get a penalty. Somehow uh, the ref then decides to change it. I don't think Bazuno actually touches him. I watched it again today. It doesn't look to me like Bazuno even touches him. They've given a free kick and Bazuno gets a yellow card. Um, when that happened, you did, like. Clearly, where were you sitting in the stadium? Could you see from where you were sitting that it clearly wasn't a penalty? Yeah, I could see that it was outside the box. Now, to be honest, I thought it was a foul. That for, well, no, I didn't see any replays. So, I, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a foul. So, But I, I was amazed the ref gave the penalty. And then I thought, God, there's no VAR. So, it's going to... But I think it was the linesman that yeah, it's uh, the told him it was outside the box. Um so yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been able to watch it back since I got home. So I didn't realize it wasn't actually a foul, which makes it even worse. But it, just, it looks like he doesn't touch him at all on the replay. He may have slightly touched him, but your man was going down holding his shin as if, you know, he'd gone through him with his studs, which just wasn't the case. So was like I don't think it was far. Far wasn't involved there, Paul. Was it? No, it was the line, not a linesman. The linesman. He had someone in his ear telling him something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the I think it, that gave it I think it was the linesman. I think he actually went and consulted with the linesman afterwards, you know. Mm. Okay. But, uh, well what we'll do is I'm gonna just go through run through really quickly the, the chances of the first half and then we'll just talk about the first half collectively. Um so then obviously after that the, the only kind of other bit of uh, notable bit of play was a uh, good play down the right hand side by Coleman to Shane Long and he sends in a cross to an area in probably which he should be. Um, nearly gets an own goal. Keeper makes a good save, goes out for a corner. Then uh, Miguel, the right back, Miguel Pedro, he had a ball whipped in for uh, one of their lads, Ali, uh, in the middle with a header. He had headed that just wide. Then Brady went down, Parrot came on for him. Um, feel kind of sorry for Robbie Brady that he just keeps getting injured. Um, then uh, McLean, McLean does well to get back after, I think it's Hendrick falls flat in his face with the ball and then they get played in and then uh, McLean comes back. He lets um, it go for does, a goal kick then, doesn't he? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he makes, he makes, uh, he makes the yards back to, to get the goal kick there. Then, uh, long capitalizing with a back pass for me. He has to make that 2-0 there. And then, um, what's the other one? Uh, Duffy. Or Gavin Bazuna gives a kind of short ball in which we nearly get caught out, but Duffy does well to kind of just, basically go shoulder to shoulder with the lad and it goes out for a goal kick as well and then Duffy makes another great interception just before half time um, from one of their one of the balls we lost in midfield so they're kind of the highlighted chances of the first half Gary at half time what were you thinking uh, going in 1-0 up yeah I, I agree I think Shane Long should have scored I thought the keeper did well but um, he did very well to latch on to latch on to the back pass but yeah he, he should have finished it from the 
especially at that level, especially an experienced striker like Shane Long. Yeah, I mean, going in at half-time, I, I was pretty happy. I thought, OK, we could have gone two up. We could have conceded, but I, I thought we'd done reasonably OK. I said, it's not a great game, but if we can get out with the win, maybe get the monkey off Stevens' back. That uh, Obviously, it's now 11 games without the win, so it, that's become the new one since we've scored goals. So... Um, going into halftime I was reasonably happy I don't think they had threatened us too much and uh, I thought we were comfortable enough and I, I, I expected we'd go on and win the game Okay, Derek uh, what were your thoughts halftime 1-0 up um, Shane Long probably should have made it 2-0 but uh, yeah what were your thoughts so, similar to Gary like uh, going back to the point I first made at the very start I think when we're in possession and we're not sloppy and we're not giving things away that, that system can be dangerous and I think the first half was another good example of good patterns of play you can see the work that Stephen's doing with Keith and, and whoever else is on the background of the staff like you can see that they are working hard on their patterns and movements but I thought the game was actually lost in a half time in Qatar, Qatar and how they came out of it in the second half to expose what we were doing in terms of invite us on and in transition then transition for me is the big one with our team at the minute if you go back over that Luxembourg game and the, the Qatar game again it's so many examples of us losing possession needlessly and quickly being counter-attacked and punished and that for me is the is the biggest concern at the minute everybody is focused on the possession but for me out of possession is the worry the gaps between our back line our midfield and and in forwards especially, and I, and I do know you. the whole thing is all open out or, or when you're in possession or whatever, but in transition is so important when you're in that system. And I don't know who made the point at the start about Thomas Tuchel or taking ideas from the Chelsea lad that's come in. I think the very first thing he did when he came into Chelsea was was make sure, he, he made sure that his personnel were aware of how important transition was if you're going to play with that three at the back. I think it was um, it was a Hudson Adoy in a game against Southampton. I recall him being brought on in the second half of the game and actually pulled off because when he lost yeah. the ball at one stage, he, he's not in transition or react. So that's just an example of a manager instilling um, standards that are required and are so important in a system where you're vulnerable if you lose the ball. And you know, I thought the, the game the game was the first half was good, but I thought the game was probably lost at halftime in terms of Qatar were able to to pinpoint what they needed to do to to go and win the game. Like look at look at the the Qatar goal where your man picked it up out on her left side on the halfway line. I said it to you last night, Paul, when we were watching and doing the watch along. Look at the space and transition is a big thing, one hundred percent. So that's why when we we're in possession we have to be effective. Like because when you lose that ball, you are gonna leave gaps, but as you said, transition is it, that, is it is it was it Robinson that lost that was it I'm trying to think back it was Robinson I can't remember Hendrick was it Hendrick lost that I thought on it was the a goal maybe. kick I'll, I'll tell you it was a goal Sorry. kick and then uh, Hendrick uh, was O'Shea he wins the header and then they kind yeah. of ah, capitalise yeah. on yeah. the header yeah. after that and he's caught out because he comes up to win the header and then we get turned around it's Malumbi that is then trying to cover in at centre back rather than O'Shea yeah. But there's, there's another example then, it must be around the 59th minute mark where Robinson actually loses in a similar position. I just noted it because if you, if you watch Hendrick and Cullen and Christie on the far side, the reaction is absolutely awful. And Robinson is still on the ground without reacting himself. That was in the 59th minute, yeah. 59th minute, yeah. And then if you play that on then, I'm trying to remember... Do we have a goal kick then and we play and I think Duffy might play out to the left, comes back across to Seamus Coleman who plays in Detroit Parrotsfield. 
and then yeah. Coleman goes, Coleman goes bombing forward, and I think Parry gives the ball away. But an experienced player like Coleman had gone bombing on from a back three without looking to his left or right. And Will Coleman had played that ball. If you if you watch that, Paul, if you watch that back, I think it's around 60 minutes or 61 minutes of it. But just not, it sums us up really. Shane Duffy, as the ball is played forward by Seamus Coleman, I understand why he's dropped off initially. If Coleman needs to cut back and play back into Duffy, okay, fine, we've kept it. But the minute Coleman plays that ball forward, Shane Duffy is still stood behind the centre forward, 10 yards behind him. O'Shea is out on the far side left in. Nobody pulls O'Shea in. Duffy doesn't push us up. Coleman plays the ball forward and goes racing off. Parrott takes the ball in. Now, I understand that he's a young, he's a kid. He's, I don't know, he's the 19, 20. He takes the ball in and he gives it. Gives it away, it's a mistake. They counter-attack, same story again, overloaded, nearly score a goal. And at the end of it, you have Duffy and Coleman, if you if you freeze the frame on it, they're screaming at Troy Parrott. But uh, for me, it comes back to out of possession, poor organisation. I wouldn't put that down so much to the transition, but it's probably the point I'm making here. Like Most of the work is actually when we lose the ball that I feel this team needs to do. Like, no, I would agree with you on that because... Um... We were having technical difficulties last night. Anyone who had Sky um, and froze. had RTE on it, it froze for large parts of the second half and we ended up missing large parts. We were switching between Sky Go and that. It was just really annoying. So I was able to watch it back again today. And I did see that when we were, we were, we, when we went forward and we did lose the ball, they had five or six. And I think we had said that last night longer on the, Ooh watch along that they would attack in numbers, but we just don't attack in numbers. We we're very slow to get up the pitch and obviously get back in that sense too. Not for long, was it? I think it was just yeah. in general, was it? Or th- that was for me, was it? Yeah, yeah well, no, was, yeah. Yeah, no, even, yeah, you said as a froze, and uh, when we did get back to watch it, uh, Ethan as well is doing a bit of live commentary, keeping us in the loop, and he was even saying, oh my God, like, like six on three here, like a tar were just pushing in numbers and numbers. Um, and it just, it goes back to transition, and I, I 100% agree with Derek when, I don't remember Parrott losing the ball, but even from the previous game and this game, you could see Coleman's getting forward as a, a third centre-half. It's okay doing that if you say to somebody, step in and cover for me, the likes of Malumbi, um, the whole midfielder. For him to say, or even say, if you're going by Christie, say to Christie, sit in. But that wasn't there. Well, it nearly um, cost us against Luxembourg because that's how they got their one that Bazunu saved that they nearly hit yeah. the crossbar. Like, From the Coleman run, he went through like nearly as a centre forward, lost the ball I, at, at the edge of the box, and then they counter. Uh, now listen, I'm not, I'm not at their level, but I've played the three five two, and I've played four three three as a high press, as a as a wing back or a winger, and it's tough. The hardest part is concentrating on the transition. Like you lose the ball, the the running is a lot harder than with the ball, which which is obvious and. I 100% agree with Derek. When I rewatched the game today again, um, I seen little bits and just perfect example. Their goal again, like it's the big massive hole in the middle when your man got it. There was it was a little trot back. There wasn't a sprint to get back. Um, so that's 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 a worrying thing. But hopefully, as I said, I like Stephen Kenny's philosophy. I like what he's doing. I I can see what he's doing, like. It wasn't too long ago that people were asking us to play football, and now that we're doing it, like it doesn't happen overnight. 
it takes time to play a system it takes time and i think get, tell me if i'm wrong in this but i think i know we haven't had a win in 11 but i think we're getting there just the transition is just it's just letting us down that small bit Mm, Gary, just just I'll for the sake of just for the sake of watches as well, Paul. It's actually fifty nine thirty six minutes if you want to see that because I think it's a really important point, and I'm pretty sure the Ireland team, when they've made their analysis of this game, will pinpoint things like this. So I think the RTE players still put the games on. So for the sake of any of your watchers to understand what we're actually talking about, it's minute fifty nine thirty six of the game. I pulled it up there. And it's Seamus Coleman on the ball. And if you freeze frame as he's passing that ball and have a look at how far Shane Duffy is behind play without squeezing up, how how far across O'Shea is without being pulled in. And then especially as Shane, as Seamus Coleman plays the pass on, I've got it in front of me here. He's gone He's gone off. He's left his man and Paris controlled the ball and actually played it back into the player that Seamus Coleman was behind. And, and Duffy can't do anything about it. He's miles behind play. O'Shea is dragged across and they break so quickly. And for me, that clip there pretty much sums up Ireland out of possession, especially in that second half The org- in terms of organisation. So two things. Organisation, absolutely terrible by Ireland and exposed in the second half really badly. And then transition, there's... There's some really, really poor clips, and I know you intend on doing that analysis show later in the week. I think when when the Irish fans actually see some of the clips that have probably gone unnoticed, it's players that have been getting praise as well, like Brown and people like this. Some of the reactions when they've lost the ball has been, it's this Mick McCarthy, um, Trapattoni, um, Martin O'Neill, people like that get an awful lot of stick. But for me. If they're on the sideline, I think you hear Mick McCarthy. Listen, I hear Mick McCarthy when there's fans in the ground. And one of the things, <laughs> it's true. Though, if you could hear Mick McCarthy, like he's so loud. He doesn't He doesn't let that happen. I don't think he lets that happen. I go back to Thomas Tuchel. He's off that bench and he's racing over to nearly drag Hudson Adoy off. So so I'm not sure. Like, I don't know Stephen Kenny. So I don't know if he's that kind of manager, but but there is times where you've got you've got to emphasize the point. And I don't know, look, for it to happen so often against Luxembourg, frustrated the life out of me then to see it happen again against Qatar. Uh, like I don't know, maybe, maybe they did work on it. Maybe it was pointed out, and if it was, it's purely down to the players. But I don't think it was emphasized enough because it happened too often. The first fifteen minutes of that Qatar game in the second half, they should be outside. Literally yeah. down the transition and poor organisation, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I don't know, Gary. Gary is a you. Know, I'm sure you have a way better viewpoint than we do. Is that something that would have stood out for you at the game? Yeah, no. I'm very interested, Derek, because I, I probably wouldn't have your coaching knowledge at the game. <laughs> so I mean, I, and I, I do. I'm very interested in that. But it did stand out that uh, so so those kind of mistakes. I will definitely watch it back. That you'll be on the show when we when we do the analysis yeah. show. You'll be able to watch it live. With us. Yeah, that didn't particularly stand out for me, but definitely you could see that Qatar had stepped it up, and they were getting themselves into situations where they had overlaps. They had more men than we had in positions, and and that's what Luxembourg did as well. And we Very didn't learn. Goodness. We didn't learn from it, and uh, that is a concern. And uh, now. My hope would be, because I am a fan of Stephen Kenny as well and what he's done in this league, my hope would be when he gets the players in the training camp at Spain for whatever it is, nine days, 
that this kind of thing can get sorted out because uh, you're right. I mean, the, the likes of Mick McCarthy wouldn't wouldn't allow that sort of stuff. And, and I mean, no, he'd nearly no. be <laughs> running onto the pitch. And I'll tell you this much: I'd rather face Thomas Tuchel than uh, than Mick McCarthy <laughs> if I did a mistake like that. So um, I remember playing as a six-year-old in the tournament. This is back in the tell you how old I am now. Probably giving away my age. Back in the nineties, of what age? He's ninety-two. Would have been about. Six at the time of Mick McCarthy was actually at the thing, and I can actually visibly have a memory of him telling me, "Listen, young fella, get yourself back in." So that's the type of manager he is. But, but now look, look, I think Kenny as well, Gary. I don't know. Like everybody seems to be on Kenny's back a lot as well, and I think the staff, like, like surely the staff are in is have got to be like we have no way of knowing this, but like. I, I'm not an Ireland coach and staff. I'm not at the level there. I'm not a professional coach. I'm seeing something like that, and, and when your viewers watch the analysis show we have, like it's it's pretty obvious. Like, how can you go from that game against Luxembourg with so many mistakes on a pitch that big as well, and then the same mistakes happening against Qatar? Like, I'm sure Qatar watched that game back, and absolutely fair play to their manager; he, ex- he exploited it massively. There's only yeah, so he's... much a manager can do, though, isn't there? Like, exactly, he, exactly. he preps. So I say the onus is on the players. A hundred percent. Like any manager, like would you if you put a world class manager in there, you think you'd get this a different effort out of players? Like, would you think something be different? I, I, like, I would hope. I would hope not, Lana, But oh, you know, it, 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 can that question be brought up? Like Gary, I, I, I don't know. Like when I'm seeing players like Brown go to back heel a ball out on the far left hand side of the pitch against Luxembourg and gives the ball away awfully. And then his reaction is to kind of throw his hands and just stop. No attempt to race back. No attempt to transition at all. And something people haven't even picked up on. Everything is like, oh, Stephen Kenny. Uh, like, has that something to do with Kenny? Would you blame Kenny on that? With, like, is that? No. Like, that's a bit. That's, ba- that's, ba- that's basic down, for me. It's down to the players. And I, I said it. I don't know which show. I think it was the watch at uh, the final award last time. I said it. It's completely Stephen Kenny and the backroom staff can only prepare a team and players so much that when it comes to match day you step across the white line as the famous saying is it's on you then yes the manager can can direct you from the sideline but I don't think the attitude or the the performance is there from the players no we don't know we don't know what's going on why why yeah why like I don't know I, I don't know Gary, you want to come in there? Yeah, we don't know what's going on in the squad and in training. And in some of these, you can maybe blame the the manager because if the attitude isn't right, uh, I mean, if things aren't right, then it can be that a player just doesn't bother chasing back or busting a gut. I mean, if Mick McCarthy was on the sideline, you'd definitely be chasing back and busting a gut because you wouldn't want to face him. And I'll take an example here in the League of Ireland. If you take the Finn Harps team, with Ollie Horgan and, and Paul Hegarty. I mean, you wouldn't ever go off a pitch with the two of them on the sideline without ever giving everything you've got because you wouldn't dare face them, you know. And uh, now I know Stephen's a very different style of management, but and I really like the way he's trying to play. But it does, some of those things, if a player does that, I mean, they are professional players. They are playing. Alan Brown is playing week in, week out in the championship. And I don't mean to pick on, on, on Alan Brown, but it 
it's not it's still not a good sign of what's going on now we don't know what's going on in camp we're hearing obviously in the press conferences things are great but you're always going to hear that yeah. until afterwards then when the, it all comes out you know so it's um famous media training yeah <laughs> so no, it's, 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 yeah I, I would agree with you gary and in my opinion my impression of Stephen kenny and i know one or two footballers who played under Stephen kenny everything they tell me is that Stephen Kenny is a good man manager. Like he manages players well, and he's a good people's person in terms of reading or getting along with players. So I, I don't know. I, for me personally, he's got a huge coaching staff there and an analysis staff there. I think it's probably on them to put that at the forefront of players' mind. That listen, we're in a three-five-two. Especially the game at the Aviva, like the size of that pitch. Like if you give away the ball, the reaction has got to be so fast and so quick. And look at it, it's not pinpointed at every player. I think one of the lads got booked there last night. Is it Cullen that got booked for trying to pull your man back? And and night, night. Sorry, it's night that got the book, and like he tries to pull your man back and whatever. Like like that's clear. Like it's you've got tactical foul is what you he would turned call him that. into like, Stretcher Armstrong, didn't he? Yeah. He, he's, he's, but that's coming from him. It's coming from him realizing that. Hang on a minute. We're, we're getting absolutely destroyed on the counter-attack by these. And, and he, he is trying. He's trying to stop them counter-attacking us because he but sees it going on. Why that's in-game that management. That's in, exactly. That, but, like, Eric, we, we play football like at a, at a decent level, I'd like to think. And even for us to say, like we even pinpointed that the Luxembourg left full was booked the other night. And we didn't even go mm-hmm. at him. We he's, didn't not, even he's, go, not, he's not actually their left foot either. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was not even, like, And we knew that. We all knew yeah. that. There's two mm. things. Like, me, if I'm a right winger, I have my head. I would have looked at the team sheet or would have seen it anywhere. Right. He's not a left foot. Uh, and now he's booked. I, I know he should, I thought he should have been sent off for the tackle. Was it on night again? Was yeah, it? Yeah, Where yeah. I thought he should have been sent off. But me, if I was a, a right winger, I'd be saying to myself, and I, I do it at my own level, I'd say, He's booked. I'm going to keep going at him. If I, if I, got, if I don't go by him five times, I'll go past him to sixth, and he's going to take me down. And if he doesn't take me down, I'm true. Either or, it's a win-win situation. Like, in-game management, and it was a, a good pullback by night, it's, it's a smart foul. It's a professional foul. It, it slows the game down. And I just don't think we had it either night, or we had it. We haven't had it. We haven't had it the whole three games long. Go back to the Serbia game where one nil up. It's coming towards half time. Like, why are we so open there? Like, what, what, tighten up. We're two, three minutes away. What are we away from half time from going in one nil up? And I don't see people. I don't. I don't see people pulling people in. I don't see us going back into the the back five. I don't see us going deeper. I, I see us giving away the ball sloppy and almost inviting them onto us towards the break, not being clever, staying down, wasting a little bit of time from a throw-in, settling the game as just pressure. Like, like I agree with you, Longer, that there's a certain extent that players have got to take onus. It can't always be, that's not happening because of Stephen Kenny or whatever. Yeah. And then there's the, the other side of it also, where whoever's the staff he's chosen there, and he's a lot of them there, they've got to start giving them the information as well. I may, Maybe they are, and if they are, that's fair enough. It's purely down to the players. But for me, when I look at a Mick McCarthy team, or a Trapattoni team, or a Martin O'Neill team, and I look at things like transition, are we tight, are we are we aggressive, are we clever, do we manage the game well? They're yeah, but our football wasn't good though, so it's, yeah. what would you rather? Like, I know you'd rather win and not play the do type you, of football that we I'll, always I'll, I'll ask, ask you a question though, Lauren. Do you think under Stephen Kenny, we are easier to play against as a nation than we were against Mick McCarthy, say Mick McCarthy, take his error? 
I'd say, yeah, 100%. There's, there's no question. The, the stats don't lie. And, and the performance doesn't lie. I'd, would, so, it be a, would it be a... Uh, yeah, the there, stats. There. No, <laughs> too, don't read too much into stats, but... <laughs> I, I just, no, he brought it up, so I just popped no, it on no, screen. 100%. 100% <laughs> like it's, uh, the stats don't win your games, as you say, isn't it? And position doesn't win your games. Um... I don't know. Would so, it so, a, so does it not start? Does it not start? Does it not start with the basics then, Lamar? Do Do you not start there? Like, like we were very hard to beat, and I think you can play good football. And I'm sure Gary, Gary, oh, you've been all these. You can teams can play good football and still be very hard to beat. I watch Liverpool. I watch Man City. Them boys when they're in possession are equally as good when they fall out of possession in their transition yeah. in their organization. So I think first and foremost, if you're going to be that expansive and go play a three-five-two. Like, be aware of organization. Be prepared to lose that ball. Be prepared to transition. And we just weren't. We weren't. The, like the footage is absolutely shocking. It, it, it's so bad. I know. I'm sorry to say it, but I'm sure when Paul shows it, whenever he shows it, like our transition, our organization, our possession. This is against Luxembourg and Qatar, who were calling. Oh, great. Let, let's be honest. Let's we. Both of those teams we should be beating and we should expect to beat those teams if we're going to kick on to the levels Kenny has spoken about. But, but like, you can play good football and still have a bit of an organisation about you, a nastiness about you. And I just think too much focus is on possession and it's kind of left behind what we have built the base on being hard to beat. Yeah, yeah what, we've kind of left that behind in my opinion so far. I kind of, like, just, just to come in on the McCarthy thing, I think... In fairness to Mick, we were good and defensively we didn't concede a lot, but we never really looked like scoring that often as well as probably we do now anyway. And I, I don't I don't like like you're saying about we go Trapatoni as well. Like the the Italians are known for we'll use the phrase parking the bus playing defensively. And we didn't the same Mick McCarthy, like we didn't look like scoring under them and the football wasn't nice and me included as a as an Ireland supporter of the like I was saying myself, when are we going to catch up with these other nations that are outpassing us? Not not meaning in games, but like when it comes to... Yeah, with systems, similar populations as well, yeah. Yeah, with systems being played, with tactics in place. And like I'll always go back to Iceland. I don't, I, what they've done from the grassroots level up, like, their, we'll say their Abbottstown of Iceland is is phenomenal. Like, I've seen it, I've seen it online myself. Um, like likes of Wales now, Scotland, our neighbouring countries, Northern Ireland that we'd we'd always expect wouldn't be better than us, but they're they're overtaking us when it comes to performances and and, and playing and getting are goals. They, are, they, are, are they no longer? Because I look at Iceland and they very much remind me of a kind of an Irish style team in terms of their long throws, their set pieces, they're very organised, their possession, their physical. They keep the gaps between their lines very, very tight. I wouldn't look at Iceland and say expansive football, tiki ticket tack of football or, or, not, or something like that. I no, think I in terms of looking at Iceland from a coaching perspective, I think they're hard to beat and I think they play to their strengths. I, I think when I look at Ireland, I probably would have said that under previous management. Does that mean that a lot of fans seem to be going, oh, we have to be long ball to play a certain way? Or why can't you play good football? and still be really hard to beat. So for me, that comes down to basics. I'll go back to it. 
transitions. It's not good enough to stay on the ground, lying on the ground when you've lost possession and the guitar fella has raced on toward the yards and you're still at the ground looking at the referee. That's not good enough. So if you want to play good football, out of possession, get it right because this is what the top managers and the top teams around Europe... I watched Stephen Kenny do his... his um, he done a presentation on the FEI page and I rec- highly recommend it to anybody who's, who's listening into this to go on to the FEI It's on FEI TV, yeah. It's a YouTube it, channel, it's on there. Yeah. Like... Don't be too harsh on that. Like, like he's got great ideas, but I yeah. just something something's not right in terms of somewhere like the information. I don't know. I watched the. I know they only put out some clips on their YouTube channel, but he's not involved in in the coach, and it seems to be Andrews and and the other lad Barry who's taking the lead on things. And like, it's not all Stephen Kenny. Stephen Kenny can can only give so much in terms of managing players, game management, and, and so forth, but. The information, it, there's something I don't know, Gary. You, you might have well, a better way of wording that. Like, my, my my concern is, and I don't know if this is the case, but I I, I know friends of mine uh, believe this, and I'm not sure that some of the senior players, because I do think Stephen does know his stuff, as you say, that some of the senior players just don't trust him, and they say, so "Who is this guy?" And trust them or respect them. Or respect. Yeah, sorry, respect. Respect yeah. is the word. That's a better word, David. But yeah, just don't don't respect him. And they say, "Who is this guy?" And, uh, now and I, is it I, that? I, I, I've heard similar, but, but listen, these rumors fly around and on, and you hear that it dates back to when he first came in. He kind of threw the young fellas in without actually making them earn their place. Like he handed people a jersey rather than actually letting them earn it from a bench the way other people would have in, in previous years. I think Ed and people like that were thrown straight into competitive games. Yeah, but he would have managed them under 21, so he would have, would have known what they were like. And what he's found is, Longer, the gap between 21s and senior football is absolutely huge. It's absolutely huge, Longer. Yeah, no, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And so for me, so for me, I think Kenny, I don't know, fans might disagree with this, but his approach from the start for me... I think if if Gary's right in terms of senior players being upset or not quite playing from as much as they would have wanted, I think it probably dates back to that and how he first approached it in terms of, hello, I'm Stephen Kenny. Here's the lads I was coaching. I'm going to throw them straight in. Like, well, I would say like, just just I looked at uh, Jeff Hendricks' uh, Instagram post today, which I thought was a little bit strange. Um, he has a picture of him, Shane Duffy. James McLean and Robbie Brady all celebrating the goal. Seen, and he comments, he, he said, uh, we just love playing for Ireland. I don't know. I just, I just thought it was a strange caption. Um, I'm just trying to get it up here. Uh, it's, I don't know if you can see that. So, yeah, it's Brady, McLean, uh, Duffy. And it says, mm-hmm. we just love playing for Ireland. And then the, obviously the Irish flag. So I don't know if that was kind of something because I know... Just see, the thing is, Paul, I mean... If that had been, if we'd won the game, would you have even noticed that? You just said, "Yeah, it's a nice post." Yeah, we got. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to create controversy. I'm just saying that it. It just seemed. It just looked a bit, you know, because we're on the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, like, I'm not. I, look, I'm not. I'm not trying to insinuate anything or any of that type of stuff. Because yeah, as it's I said, spe- don't, don't it know enough. Spe- in it. It's speculation. Like it could be anything that's upset a camp. Like we never found out about the England thing. Like I don't think Damien Duff or Alan Kelly like. Like I think there's more to it. The reasons yeah. they left and probably left it a little bit longer, not to let you know that it had it had a bit to do with the 
with the England fiasco that time with the whole video gating or whatever. And, and even when Duff was questioned about that, like I found the answer he gave was, was basically, yeah. I don't want to speak about it. And it's one of those stories I think you'll see in his autobiography in a few years where it probably comes out or whatever. But like anything can upset um, upset players is probably the point. And but probably back to the question though, it's just speculation. Would that be a reason? Would, would you put on an Ireland jersey and decide I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try as much no, just because never. you're upset? No, yeah, the reason would, the reason like, I was kind of yeah. thinking it is because uh, I know Niall Quinn had said you know that the senior players will be annoyed that they weren't in the squad, and so did Kevin Doyle, both on Virgin and on RTE. But then you're thinking. You know, McLean was managed by Stephen Kenny in his dairy days. You know McLean very well. Then Seamus Coleman and Shane Long, they kind of came from the League of Ireland. So I don't think they're going to be going around going, who's this fella type thing? Because I think they would have the respect. Um, I know Jeff Hendrick, look, he was kind of, he, he made his trade more so in England. So I wouldn't say that is the case. But I just want to quickly just run through the, the chances in the game and then we can talk about whatever we want. So I suppose, obviously, their goal was in the 46th minute. Then this double substitution of Long, uh, or sorry, Robinson and Knight came in, gave us a little bit more energy. Obviously, then in the 59th minute, that chance you said about uh, Robinson losing possession. And then it was uh, Al Hydos with the shot. It was a decent save by Bazunu. Um, actually, you are right because I have Parkinson's possession here. Monteri counter attack. I think it's on the right hand side. It was shot over the bar. Is that right? It, it was. I might have been a keeper. So I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Parkinson's away. I think Bazuno. Does he save it down to his left? Yeah, but then the shot? one, the one after where Parrot loses possession. Monteri. Oh, yeah, shoots it. Away. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shoots it wide. Sorry. Then. Um, Sixty-four minute. Hendrick plays a one-two with himself. We missed that on the watch along uh, longer, but I watched it back today. He gives the ball to Robinson. He has a shot, comfortable save for the keeper. Um, then Miguel gets a uh, gets the better of McLean, and then um, gives the ball to Monterey. He fires over. That's the one I'm thinking of uh, from from the edge of the box. He shoots over, which he probably should have been closed down. And then uh, the eighty-third minute, Brown, Cullen, Manning come on for McLean, Hendrick, and Malumbi. Um, 84th minute, Keith Andrews gets booked. I just put that in as a highlight. Um, the 86th minute, ball, balls crossed in, uh, and Robinson snatches at it and hits the side of netting with that or, or goes wide. Uh, one or the other, he was trying to claim a corner. It was an awful strike. Uh, Jason Knight gets, it, didn't he? yeah, he basically He's, hit it into the ground. Um, yeah, so then Jason Knight got booked for, uh, turning your man to stretch Armstrong. We spoke about that fell. And then, uh, towards the end, then I suppose the big chance at the very, very end, a great ball across by Cyrus Christie was left foot. And Josh Cullen, then I think if, if that's a striker in that position, it's probably going to be a goal. He's a, he's a midfielder who doesn't get up into the box that much. And, uh, look, uh, I'm not expecting him to head home from there, but, uh, I'd be expecting maybe Shane Long to score from there because he'd be used to being in that position, <laughs> the ball a goal. But, uh, it wasn't to be. The game finished 1-1. Um, I suppose, kind of just looking at the game as a whole, uh, Derek, from from your point of view, I know you were talking about transitions and stuff like that, and I do agree with you because if you look at any of the top top players, when they lose the ball, they're straight away on it to win it back. And I and I do take your point. Whenever our players do lose it, it's just like oh, he'll what get they it. say? What's it? What's it? They say Derek, the three second rule is it? Is that the yeah the five second rule at Barcelona? The five second rule, like you have literally five seconds. You, you probably you can elaborate more. For the, the five second rule, like, yeah, the idea of that is probably just to stop counter attacks developing. Like, if you're if you're playing an expansive brand of football, if you lose the football, that's when you're most vulnerable when you force lose the football. So, the idea is to get really tight as quickly to somebody so you can squeeze the play. But yeah. sure, 
we're leaving the pitch so wide and so open when we've lost the ball. Like you could have ten seconds longer, and some of them boys aren't making it anywhere. And here, like it's it's really it's really no, bad. I, I know you're, know. I know you're I, laughing, but I I'm laughing so because it's true. I expect so much more out of possession. I know there's a lot of focus in possession with Stephen Kenny, and it's great. Brilliant to see. Listen, the first half of that game the other night, a lot of positives. Gary has said it himself. Like To me, I, I would have taken a lot of positives from that. You can see that they're working so hard. But I just can't understand why you still can't be organised and hard to beat when you've lost the ball. It, it's simple messaging. It's not even hard stuff we're talking about here. Lads. It's, it's basic information. And what's really frustrating me about it is it's blatant from the game. Like, I have nine clips from the Luxembourg game where we've lost the ball. If we're playing Portugal on Saturday night and make those mistakes in midfield and it's Portugal counter-attacking us with that space, we're going away 5-0, five, five lucky to lose 5-0. If we do that in September, they're going to thump us. Because you don't get away with that with your Bruno Fernandez or your Joe Felix. They're picking them passes all day long against us with those spaces. But I just, I don't know, I'm just so frustrated that we went from Saturday night to seeing those errors and not tidying it up, not giving the information. And again, I'll say it again, maybe the information was given. And if that's the case, it's purely on the players. All the coaching staff can do is hand that information, point out those errors, ask the questions, and then it's on the players but if the information wasn't given, then look, we've a, we've a big problem if that stuff isn't being identified. Like, yeah, Gary, just because you obviously were at the game, and I mentioned the other day that Coleman and Bazunu were the two loudest, the ones that were kind of setting the tone and telling people where to go. Derek spoke earlier; he doesn't know if there was anyone you know out there calling any sort of directions. Can you uh, fill us in? Yeah, so Seamus Coleman as well. Yeah, Gavin Bazoon was quite a distance away from me because I was near the halfway line, but you could still hear him. He was quite vocal. And again, it was it was Seamus Coleman. I didn't notice too much um, leadership on the pitch otherwise, which is probably a concern. I mean, the Qatari guys, I didn't know what they were saying, but they were they seemed to me to be that bit louder, which probably isn't a good sign as well. Yeah, the guy, the guy, the guy in the midfield, Budiev, is it? The, he's similar to the lad off Man City, Rodri or Sergio Busquets type of player. Like that's like what they or, called him on the on the commentary. I think Cunningham called him Busquets. Funny enough, Budiev is that last name. As far as I know, is it Alda Hall? He plays for the team that are second anyway. Whatever. I think they're called Alda Hall. But he's the classic example. I don't know. Did that stand out to you, Gary? How much he was organising or breaking up airplay? I think. The clip actually where Robinson loses the ball, I think that might be him again. Like he kept breaking us up, letting the they're, ball go. Yeah, they're two, the two centre midfielders. Him number and 11, the guy, wasn't it? number ten. Well, number ten actually really impressed me as well. Because he was very good on. So um, the Budiev was number twelve, and he was good and winning the ball and then giving it to the number ten. I thought. Playing for strength. Yeah, so the, yeah, they they looked actually they they looked more organized, comfortable, more organized, etc. Yeah. Now I I I I wasn't familiar with their Spanish coach, but um, he certainly he impressed me by what he did at half time, obviously, and brought them out in the second half and exploited our our vulnerabilities. He obviously spotted something. Hmm. I say I say I say his game plan was to see what we were like in the first half. I don't know, because he kind of did sit in Qatar. They didn't really, oh, I wouldn't say, they, they threatened, but they wouldn't threaten the way they did in the second half. So why say he got them in at half time 
and as Derek said, exploited our weaknesses. And our weakness was the transition. And I say he's seen that from the first, say, 10, 15 minutes of the game. He was like, right, one nil down. We'll get us in at half time. Right, lads, this is where we're going to hit them. This is the weakness. And you could see that from minute one in the second half. He definitely told them, exploit them. That, that lead, that, I agree with because It was two completely different teams for Qatar in the first half and the second half. Yeah, it, it, like there was a lot more positive play in terms of bursting forward. Like the lad on the left side, Hassan, like he blows past Christie about four times in the first fifteen minutes of that second half. Like, so if I if I'm the guitar manager at halftime, I'm thinking, okay, Ireland, they're playing decent, but they have lost at times a little bit sloppy, and we're just too slow to move the ball forward and exploit them. And, and like, watch back the first fifteen minutes of that second half, and when Qatar decides, do you know what? When they give possession away and when we're in transition, let's go at them. Let's yeah. bomb forward. Let's yeah. exploit those spaces. And we got absolutely destroyed. Now, luckily, they're finishing. I thought, especially the two chances that Paul pointed out that came back to back. Like, if they score either of those chances, I think they go on and they win that game comfortably, to be honest. And they keep exploiting us all night long because the first 15 minutes of the second half, the instruction is clear from their manager. It's too slow when we've won the ball. And it completely changed in the second half and exploited what was exploited on Saturday night, but not punished. Now, is that something you think? Maybe I'm pinning too much hopes on this training camp because I know, <laughs> I know Stephen did Wait, with the analysis wrong. show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe nine days isn't enough, but he 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 brought the under twenty ones to Toulon two years ago, and obviously the work he did in France with them that really paid off because our under-21s historically have been very poor. And uh, now I know it's a big step up, but he did a, ph a phenomenal job in that under-21 side. And really, if he had stayed, I think we would have qualified for the finals, which are going on at the moment. Now, am I pinning too much uh, my hopes in that we can work on this in the nine days in Spain and come yeah, September would be a totally different team? Or should, have, should we have done it already? Listen, Gary, you're, you're following Ireland how many years? Like, like we've got to start expecting standards here. These boys are professional football players. Why does it take nine days in the summer to sit down and show basics? For me, that's on the analysis team. I don't know who the analysis team is, but they go away from the game on Saturday night. They lock themselves in a room. They go over the game and over the game and clip out the bits. And they come to the manager and say, we have a problem. And you identify that in your tactical room. And then you go out on the pitch and you organise your instructions. So why, why are we waiting until the summer to do that? For me, after the game in Luxembourg, I think we should have went out last night. And we should have been a lot more organised out of possession. In transition, improvement needed to happen tenfold. Neither of those things happened. So we can keep talking about progress and progress. I, I waited to see. I didn't put up a. I put up a. Didn't put up any rants or whatever about the Luxembourg game. But I was fuming. But I waited to see. Okay, let's see what the management team is about now. Is this corrected? Are we really making progress here? Because, like, are we waiting until the summer to bring people away on a on a training camp to show professional footballers that you should react quicker, to show professional footballers that you should be tucking people in, to, to tell Seamus Coleman, hang on, you're in the back three, where are you going, mate? You're leaving us. But you, you're leaving the only thing I would say, Derek, you mentioned Chelsea earlier on, which, I mean which is a very good example because under Frank Lampard, Chelsea were still a top club. They qualified for the Champions League and everything. 
And you showed the difference that Thomas Tuchel did when he came in with with more or less the same things when they were losing the ball. And Chelsea have gone from a team that conceded far too many goals to a team that hardly concedes a goal at all now. So they're top, top players, even better players than we have. It's a a good example though, Gary, but if you look at that, like, didn't Lampard come out in public and have a go at those players a couple of times over these things? Like, so, I don't know, is it, I can't say what it is because we're not in those camps, but there's been a change since Thomas Tuchel has gone in there. There's been a complete change in Chelsea in terms of out of possession and the amount of work those players are doing for him versus what was happening under Lampard, in my opinion. So some, or, I don't know, is that purely down to the character or is it down to the, the information they're being given, what's being put to the forefront of their mind before games? Or I mean, they, well, this is the concern that, that I, I hope is not true that some friends of mine have that uh, some of the players are throwing Stephen under the bus, bus because I think no, some of the Chelsea players threw Frank I, Lampard under the bus. I don't. I well, I'll go back to what Derek said earlier. I don't. I think, think they'll try. Any, but yeah, longer. Sorry, go on. I I don't think anyone that puts on an Ireland jersey and if they do, they should never wear it again. In my opinion, if they're doing, if they're throwing, say Stephen Kenny under the bus and performing bad for their country or. Yeah, look at it. That's what I'm saying. You, like longer, you play at an international level for the defense forces. Like you're, you're, at a, a, you've you've been at a very high level and you played. And you know yourselves. There's, there's there's other things in games you can get tired, and, and you mightn't be as focused or tuned in, or you it might be at the forefront of your mind from the information given from a coaching staff to quickly react and stuff. So you can kind of. If it's not, if it's not, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. If it's not constantly reinforced the basics, and and, and there's too much focus on one thing, it just comes across to me that everything is focused on possession with Ireland at the minute. Can we play good football? Can we play? And and the players have kind of lost track, or, or certainly at the forefront of our mind, yeah. we've got to be so good out of possession. Okay. Again, we can, we can't answer the question how much so, emphasis. We're so set in stone. We're so set in stone because everybody wanted this. Yeah we're, so, we're so, yeah, we're forgetting the basics. Yeah. But it can be both. Out, out, out of possession, he means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there can be both, lads. There's not an awful lot missing here. Like, if you actually focus on us in possession, it's a couple of sloppy passes. There's there's times in the Luxembourg game where I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, maybe maybe we're a little bit wrong here because some of the patterns of play and some of the, the quality of play, I'm like, like, he's actually right here. Them boys are fully capable of playing good football. But why can why can't you expect to play good football and still do the basics? Like work, be as like he's emphasising passing and everything a lot. But I'm hoping that behind the scenes there's equally as much emphasis on the basics, the transition, staying organised, competitive game management, stuff like that. I would certainly hope so. But looking at the evidence and the footage from uh, Luxembourg and the Qatar game. It doesn't come across that way to me, I'm afraid. But just, so just, that, just I don't know why. Like, is is it what Gary's saying? Is there? I I, I would certainly hope not in an Irish yeah. jersey. I, would, I, would no, be I, I I really hope not, and I, I and I don't really. I don't think so. I don't. See I don't it. think no, so. I haven't thought so. And I mean, I had pinned my hopes. No, I, I wouldn't think so. Summer training camp. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I thought. Okay, get the squad away together. I mean, it can make a huge difference to get be totally focused because it is difficult coming in with two training sessions two training sessions and then going out to face travelling to Belgrade and then facing yeah. Serbia would the well, form, I think, would, go on Paul 
I was just going to say, but I think like if any of the players are complaining that they're not getting a look at it, like they have to take that into their club form. You look at the players that are senior players, they're not really playing regular football anyway. So do they deserve to be in the starting 11 anyway? Do you know what I mean? But then you like, you counter-argue that as well with like the likes of Robinson and Connolly and stuff like that. But I, I think just to, I suppose, finish off, because we've been on this an hour, out of the, I suppose, the whole uh, window, what positives and negatives can we take from this uh, moving forward? I think two positives is the performances of Gavin Bazunu and Dara O'Shea uh, going forward. I think they're going to be really big players for some more so Dara O'Shea because I don't know if Bazunu will 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 uh, you know replace say Randolph or Kelleher. They may they may still be ahead of him in the pecking but he's done himself absolutely no harm with two solid games. I don't think yeah. he could say he was at fault for anything. He was smart. There was a time where he came up to catch a ball and then put his hands out real quick or he could have been sent off. I think he's just an intelligent keeper as well. I uh, don't think he ever should have been booked for the, for the penalty or whatever it was. But uh, there, the two of them come to mind as positives for me. The negatives are obviously the results and I'll let you elaborate on other things. Um, but they were more positive than negatives. Uh, Gary, what were yours? Yeah, the other positive I'll take is the goal scoring. I mean, we did manage to score three goals in this window, so that's probably not going to be talked about as much. Um, but it, it it hasn't been a good it hasn't been a good week for Irish football. We can't we, really we can't put uh, a glass. I don't know lipstick lipstick on a pig or whatever. Um, it, it's it's been a bad week. It's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's now 11 games without a win. And I think Stephen's under incredible pressure. So that's why I, I hope he does get the summer training camp. And But we have to see huge improvements in the autumn. And if Derek is still talking about guys not um, tracking back or in transition when they lose the ball, I mean, Stephen won't be in a job in the in the autumn if that happens because... We, we won't. This level of performance won't be good enough, despite all the positives when we're on the ball, etc. So um, I'm hopeful things will get turned around, and uh, th- that's all I can say, I suppose. Oh, sorry, Derek. I was letting that come as you. Then next, um, the positives I think is that Stephen Kenny. It's clear that he's got. He's capable of making the team play good football and he's got good ideas and I think he has the respect of the players. I think a lot of it has to do with the shape and organisation in terms of the being too far away to transition or get near people or close to people or whatever. But the, the, the negative for me is why he changed. Why? Like the 4-3-3 for me, it was it was working. Like I know the results probably weren't there, but it was evidently working. And I'll go back to that presentation he does on the FEI page. Go watch it, lads. The clips are there to see. Like he's presented them himself as well, which is a surprise to me. So something has changed. And I know one of the coaching staff did. And for me, that's probably had an influence on Stephen Kenny changing in terms of the formation. That's been the negative ultimately for me because... The, like he, he's persisted with it, but it, it has not worked. It hasn't worked. And, and it's now become a worry for me because I'm looking ahead to Portugal have still come to the Viva Stadium. It's a huge pitch. If we're playing a 3-5-2, I don't think it's going to work for us, lads. I, I think the evidence has already been there. So probably the positive is now that we know that doesn't work. We have a summer camp coming up. Go back to what was working. Focus on that. Yeah. There's not, there's not, there's not much more I can say. The two boys hit the nail on the head, but the positive 
I'll go is we actually scored from a, a walked out set piece. We've when, when was the last time we done something like that? So it's obvious that stuff has been set piece of being done on the training, being on the training ground. And then again, I have to go with the negative of of the not the walk rate in possession, but walk rate walk rate out of possession. Um, that would be a negative, and the result would have been a negative because I would expect it to beat them. Um, so yeah, that's my positive and negative side of things. I think you know you're coming out, uh, or you're going into the international window. You're looking at Serbia and you're thinking, okay, we are missing some of our better players, and I think a draw we were kind of expecting at best against Serbia in this case scenario this time around. Um, we didn't get that. We obviously had a decent performance, but we were still 3-1 down at one stage, let's not forget. Uh, yeah. Then, obviously, losing to Luxembourg, we were never expecting that. I think we were looking at a win against Luxembourg and a win against Qatar and finish the uh, finish the window on a high. That didn't happen. Um, just going back to your point, Derek, about the, the 3-5-2, I think he may have been kind of forced into playing that this time around in just this window. I think he said sometimes we have to be tech, uh, flexi- tactically flexible um, in terms of mixing it up sometimes. And I think because obviously with uh, you had Stevens and Doherty in, in the squad this time around, I think he was looking at playing to their strengths. Obviously, as wingbacks, we've seen them play their best football as wingbacks with a back three and then kind of pushing forward as wingbacks. And I think that's what he was trying to do this time around, um, you know, with the absence of some players in the squad. That's that's why I think he changed it up. But you know, you could, you may tell me different that that's he just changed it up because of a new coach. I don't know. Okay. But, but, but what, what's your take on that, then, Paul? Do you think the the players should dictate a formation, or do you think the coach should dictate a formation? And, and actually, what's the best way we can win a game, or do you fit players in for the sake of fitting players in? Oh, well, I think I think in a way, I think he was kind of looking at it, going, "How can I fit my best players in the team?" I think he has been looking at a way of trying to fit Coleman and Doherty into that team, and I think that was probably the best way of doing that. So, so you think first and foremost, Stephen Kenny has sat down and let the players dictate the way he plays rather than the opposition? Yeah. Or the I'm circumstances? In some ways, yeah. Because, well, I'm at most of his press conferences and he's, he's saying these things in the press conferences. So that's. That should, that does, if he's saying it that way, that the players shouldn't have a say. Like, he's he's the manager, coach. Oh, he never said that the players are saying it, but yeah. he's saying oh, that yeah, he's yeah. playing yeah. to their strengths more so. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't agree with him if he's doing that. We we should be playing to air strengths, not the player strengths. Because, like, if we are playing that position, we or that uh, formation, and we say it is Stevens and Doherty's uh, strength, but it probably wouldn't be a, someone else's strength playing that formation that he has in the team. So it's a breakdown of we say chemistry between the players. It has to be mm-hmm. all. It has to be every player that fits the the style of play. We we shouldn't be putting in players because they play great there for their club. Like there's, well, there'll be so, there'll be someone else in the team that doesn't play. Gary, 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 can I ask Gary? Gary, I'd love to hear what you think of that because do you think the manager needs to fit players in for the sake of fitting players in, or should he not be looking at things like like I think going back a little bit, Ghana hammered uh, Qatar. Qatar were in this phase where they were trying to play out of the back or whatever, and if you go watch that game, Ghana pressed the life out of them. Uh, punish them. I think that game ended five 0 actually. Five, five one. Um, they beat them five one. Yeah. Five one. So so I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like if I've got access to that game, I'm pretty sure the Ireland team have got access to that game and other games where there's plenty of examples of that. And even Luxembourg, and we saw it in the Portugal game. If you've watched that back as well, Portugal 
went one nil down, but they they knew how to play against Luxembourg. Luxembourg was still insistent on on this whole oh we can still play from the back thing. Whereas Portugal began to press them and, and really press high and get in the half end up winning that game comfortably enough in the end. Whereas us, uh, I think on Saturday, Luxembourg were playing out of the back and we were just sat off them and happy enough to let them have possession. Whereas before the window, I think if we're in that four three three, I think. I think we press the life out of Luxembourg and we get a bit of joy out of them and, and we play a lot higher and we're not as vulnerable then because spaces are not as big. And I think the transition wouldn't be as bad if the spaces weren't as big. Yeah, then. I, 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 well, I, I think, think he showed the, for, the, the press, didn't he, on that, uh, on that yeah, presentation go, go, you said. Go, go watch the video. That was how we should have played against Luxembourg for me. So I think first and foremost, that's what the manager needs to think. He needs to think, how can we expose Luxembourg? What's the best way to give us the best chance of winning and then pick your team. I don't think it should be a case of, oh, we've Doherty and Stevens. How can I fit these in? I think it goes the other way for me. For That's yeah. what I would hope. I would hope Stephen Kenny and his staff are sat down thinking, how do we need to play to win the game? Because so like, somebody could play in that better position than the player that they're trying to fit in. Like It's not all to do with, because they're, we'll say, big-name players. For, not that we have much, but like... We'll say, for instance, like if man, if that suited Manning to play left wing back on, against Luxembourg, he should have played. I'm not saying I'm just using that as an example. Like that's his strength. That's that's what I'm trying to get trying to get at. And oh, you're right. We should be concentrating on the opposition more so than trying to fit in players that. Yeah, I think I think in fairness, I'm probably been a little bit harsh because did he not do that against Serbia? Like I think the reason we probably played the three five two against Serbia is because they play a similar formation, and you could see they matched. Really, yeah, they yeah. they worked really hard on accepting that Serbia are a technically very 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 good side, and we had to sit off a lot in that game, and we had to be compact and and organised and keep things tight. So I can understand that, but what I don't understand is did he decide them from the Serbia game? Oh, we look decent in the three five two. Let's go keep that and work on that. Or did he not sit down and look at how do we expose Luxembourg? Luxembourg are a team that are now trying to play out the back or the the right way or whatever. Maybe we can press a bit higher. Maybe we can play in their half or look to. I just think we left the pitch huge, absolutely huge, and it ended up being them that tactically done us rather than us the other way around. In my opinion, and happened again. Happened, happened again Sorry. last night in Qatar. Gary, Gary, you you go ahead because he did actually initially ask what your thoughts were. I don't think you got a chance to. Yeah, the thing is, Stephen actually has always played 4-3-3 because, funnily enough, I was one of the people (laughs) saying before the Serbia game. So I was going, we were going back and forth and saying, well, how do you get Matt Doherty, Seamus Coleman, and the Stevens our better players on the pitch? And yeah, I'd like to see it in a 3-5-2. And Stephen, obviously not listening to us, but he probably. More likely, as you said, Derek, decided to match up against Serbia. And hmm. is it a case of Stevens played 4-3-3 virtually his whole career and he has been successful with it? And I don't hmm. know, was he having second second thoughts or doubting himself because it hadn't done well in the autumn? And then he plays three at the back against Serbia. It was reasonably successful. successful. Okay, we lost the game, but we played reasonably well. Well, and it, maybe it, the right it, thing to do would have been to change back for Luxembourg. Maybe he thought, well, this worked or worked to an extent. Yeah, if you, listen, if, if you listen to him in the presentation, though, Gary, I think, and the, even the examples he uses, like I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it didn't work. I think there was there was definite signs of progression in in that formation, 
I think the players were buying into it, and it was it was starting to work. So, like again, I'll go back to probably Serbia. Like you probably would decide to match them up and play a little bit deeper, and at times be a five at the back or whatever because they're good technically. But I just I think Paul mentioned tactically flexible. But if you're tactically flexible, for me, the coaching decision then would have been: we're playing Luxembourg. Let's go. Let's go. Press the life out of these lads at uh, home uh, as well. Uh, yeah, that's... let's 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 go play in their half. Let's let's be on the halfway line. It's a huge pitch of the Aviva Stadium. Why why would we make it so big and and be so vulnerable without possession? Like I just don't understand it. Mm, yeah, he actually said that he said that in the press conference about tactically flexible. And um, just kind of to finish off with, you know, he obviously gave that press conference and seemed quite defiant. Um, I, hmm. I suppose just to kind of finish off on, I is very much Kenny in, Kenny out, or, or how are you feeling? I personally, I want to see him stay in the job. I want to see how he gets on from the June friendlies and then see where we go from there. I don't think we've anything to lose in terms of going into the Portugal game anyway. So I think at least until the Portuguese game, see how it goes. I think... It, I know, look, 11 games, no wins. It's It's not a good record at all. But at the same time, I, for one, said before he took over that I would like to see a manager, you know, even if we are, even if we do lose a game, but we actually try to play, then I would like to see that. Um, and I appreciate some people would be like, well, that's a bit of a loser's attitude or whatever. But I, I have just wanted to see, see us do something different than probably Mick McCarthy and Martin O'Neill's reign, which in some cases we were hard to beat, but we never look like creating any chances. Now, I have to say Stephen's team do look like creating chances, but we just, for the life of us, can't score goals, um, or at least enough goals to win games. No, Gary? I'm mean, oh, sorry, go on, Gary. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually would give him longer than the Portugal game. I, I, he may not. He, he, I mean, I, I think he will survive, but there are there is a school of thought that he won't, he won't even get this uh, summer training camp. I think he will, and I hope he does. And I Same. hope he gets some time in the autumn to show that things are different and things are better. And it's more even the performances than the results. Um, I, I think he will get more than the Portugal game. I hope he gets to the end of the campaign. But it's probably a good thing and a bad thing from the FAI's point of view in that his contract is up in November. And it would be a massive decision. I know Roy Barrett actually surprisingly mentioned it after the, the Luxembourg game. Uh, a contract extension in the EGM. Uh, he, he mentioned the possibility of a contract extension, which seemed a strange time to even bring it up. But um, I would hope that Stephen would get to at least see out the current contract, that things would be better in the autumn. Um, but they have to be, because otherwise uh, we will be looking for a new manager. Mm, Derek, and then after you, uh, Longer, we'll just finish on that. In terms of. In our own. <laughs> What were your feelings on the manager? Like, do, do you want him to stay? Do you think if he stays, we're going to get better? How do you feel about? Because people complained in the comments the other day that we had too much of a bias towards Stephen Kenny. Um, you know, so I'm just going to get your opinion because you're fairly, you know, black and white about things. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm going to be honest. Like, it's basics. Like, it's nothing that Stephen Kenny can solve. I think we've seen a lot of progress, and like, people can hate on Stephen Kenny a lot. Sometimes people. Can jump on the bandwagon of hating people. Have we seen progress or improvement in terms of possession? What the fans were calling for, 
we have we have and there's no fan that can deny that i can show you i can show you a 10 minute video of excellent ireland play really good ireland play that will completely disprove that and i'll always go back to the footage being the footage does not lie so nobody can deny that we have improved in possession massively now the question is it's gone kind of the other way out of possession in terms of organization or the transition in. but those are those are really really small things i fully expect Stephen kenny to tidy up on so Yes, he needs time. It's 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 e it's easy fixes here, and it, Stephen Kenny is more than capable of doing that. Like, and I certainly hope from it. Like it, it, Gary touched on the point earlier. Like, uh, like Irish football is is should want Stephen Kenny to do well. Our league should want Stephen Kenny to do well. If Stephen Kenny walks out of a job having not won a game and equaled McMeegan's record of not winning in twelve Irish games, I think he's the last manager that didn't do that. Like, but. I don't think a League of Ireland manager gets employed, or certainly, I know he was given the under-21s and then told he went to a job, but I don't think that happens for a long time based off the back of something like that. So I'm rooting for Stephen Kenny on this one, and I think Irish football should be behind Stephen Kenny on this one, wanting him to do well, wanting our league to progress. Somebody that's come from the league, get behind the man, like, like get behind him. Irish football is going to progress. There's your man. He's come right from the heart of Irish football. Just get behind him. Okay, if there was no sign of progress and nothing else, but there absolutely is. There's enough positives to take the hope, and then he just needs to tidy up on other things. Don't I will go back to the point as well, and going back to what people have told me about Stephen Kenny. There's a big, big difference between a manager and a coach. Some people are both, but some people aren't. Stephen Kenny strikes me as a manager, a man manager, somebody who managed that situation. So I think the problem. That we're having at the moment is more a coaching issue so i would question the information that stephen kenny is being given to present to the players i, I have no way of telling him what's going on because we don't see that stuff but absolutely ridiculous that people would, would want stephen kenny out given that the whole stephen kenny in thing was based on we need to see more football we're, we're seeing it we're seeing what the fans have asked for the other stuff can come. It's it's not as if it's rocket science or it's a, it's something that you need your lean on Messi. So it's basics. It's going. It's basics that that are tidied up on. So I think stick with the man. Give the man a chance for God's sake. He's representing your Irish football. Everybody goes on about League of Ireland doesn't get enough. There he is. There's the face of League of Ireland football managing our country. Get behind him. Give him a chance here. Yeah, Lana, yeah. just to finish so, off. I think that's a great point, Derek. Yeah, I I love what Derek just said there. He's came from the heart of of our football, and we need we do need to get behind him. I said before, I love I love what he's doing. I love his philosophy. That he wants to play in football, and I think I mentioned it last time as well. I think he should be allowed right out the wave. Um, as I said, when we come to September, the lads will be what a month a month into their season. Some of the players, five weeks maybe. That they hopefully that they had a good preseason with their clubs and they're starting regularly. So a month then coming into the next camp then to, for the for the Portuguese game, but things could change. Hopefully he has rectified that Derek, the, the transition and the coaching things. Like what what, I've what seen, are the I've fans saying? Strange, what, are, what, like, what what are the fans saying, Paul? Like you, you probably see a lot of the fans saying, that. Are, are they actually genuinely saying, "Oh, sack him now"? And are they given are yeah. they given their are they given their opinion as in, here's the no. solution we think, or is it just purely? Hating or let's get him out with no it's, solution. Uh, 
It just seems to be Kenny out. He's out of his depth. Uh, they're the two big ones uh, that are constantly used. And then it's bring back Mick. So out of his depth, how, how in depth have they gone with that? Like, what do they mean by that? As in... it's, it's people that are it's sitting just on the, the sofa, thing Derek. It's just people. Yeah. It's just people. Social sitting. media. It's not. It's yeah, not. It's, it's not going to get the in-depth analysis you've just given. But it's. it's oh, and there is Jason McAteer. Yeah. He he he's trying to claim that he was right as well about what he said. Well, what did he say? <laughs> We'd be here well, he, he came on to off the ball and he said he, th- he doesn't think that the players would respect Stephen Kenny because he's a League of Ireland manager, basically. Whoa, and then, I didn't uh, know that, no. He pulled up a tweet then the other day saying, sorry, I got slaughtered. It was after the Luxembourg game and he pulled up a tweet saying, yeah, sorry, I got slaughtered. Just a, just a quick little thing that might make you smile as well. Um, no, Germany just lost a home to North Macedonia. Wow, <laughs> they're in a decline as well, aren't they? Yeah, but well, they were just, hammered, just to go back to by Spain last year as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Just to go back to the McAteer thing. So, so McAteer is the only kind of high, higher profile name, I suppose, in Irish football that I can think of that's really kind of come out and said, you know, anything really bad about Stephen in that sense. I don't. Yeah, you know, maybe Richard Dunn has come Richard out and said. I, I know, I know, I know. Cascarino called him tactically. Was it tactically inept or something like that? Ignorant, like, tactically yeah. ignorant. Yeah. Like, like he obviously That's hasn't watched right. the game. Like he hasn't watched the games. Like he, like if you focus on Stephen Kenny and what how he's transformed his team possession, like it's the the complete opposite. And it, there's not an awful lot that needs to be fixed on it. Like, like there's a like, Kenny come out last night and say something about the people are coming out of woodwork to have a go at him. Like what? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it, Paul. Like Gary, you, you follow Irish football years as well. Like what? what like. Who do you want representing this? You want somebody coming out of the League of Ireland to represent the league, Irish football as a whole. Like Stephen Kenny's your man for that. Like you've got him in that position now. Back the man. Give him a chance. Like the, the losses haven't been, we're not getting tumped five and six nil or whatever. Like we're seeing little bits of improvement and it does take time. It's the we're fine in the middle. tuning that we need. That's the biggest point of it for me is we're in the middle of a global pandemic, for God's sake. Like, like he's missing players left, right, and center. Like, and we're lucky to we're lucky to be playing football at times. You know what I mean? Like, and and here we are asking for a man to be sacked already. I I think also there's nearly always people looking for the manager to be sacked. I mean, I can remember people wanting Jack Charlton to be sacked. So. It's um, and and everyone since and uh, and Johnny Giles. I mean, Johnny Giles actually may, may be a better example because Johnny Giles actually introduced. And I am old enough, a lot older than you guys, to remember and being at games when Johnny Giles was player manager. And he, Johnny Giles, wanted to pass the ball, and it was a totally different mindset for what Irish football had been before that. And uh, he was getting slaughtered by the crowd, and particularly because uh, it's a couple of cases. I, this one I watched on TV, away to France. He was 76, and he, I think it was Giles himself played a ball across the back, and it was Rochetteau nipped in and ran straight through and scored 1-0 France. And it was the classic example of why Ireland can't play like that, and the many that's 45 years ago now. And uh, But I remember him getting... Pelters in Lansdowne Road about uh, people booing him off and everything. We had some great wins in those times as well. In fact, I know the return game against France was the anniversary. That was only, I think, yesterday or the day before. We beat France 1 0. And uh, Brady, I was there that day. It was fantastic. And I mean, a full house, brilliant atmosphere. And we played really well. And I mean, that was 
the the France of Platini, Rocchetto, um trying to think who else was in that. that I, I don't think Larios and them had come through at that point yet. But it was a, a fantastic France French team that eventually did go to the 78 World Cup. But um, so even back 45 years ago, there was uh, disputes of what way we should be playing football and uh, and all of that. So I actually don't remember a time when we haven't had criticism of the manager. The problem is when you go to 11 games without a win, it's the critics, different. it's different. It's um, becoming much more vocal. And it's the people that said it at the start are able to say, well, I told you so. You were well, wrong. That, that's, I mean, that's pot luck, yeah. though, Gary, isn't it? Because if we had a won 11 games, you don't say anything. Yeah. So that... Yeah. Kind of, that mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I think, look, uh, as you said, it's clear that we all want to see him succeed. And, you know, in some ways, I kind of looking at him and I kind of feel sorry for him. Um, as, as Derek said, we're in a pandemic. He hasn't had fans for a game. And I think the Irish fans, you're at home or away. 12th man. I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the players talk about it all the time, how much they, they drive them on as well. I think we are missing that too. So, like, there are factors, and people say, you're just making up excuses for him. No, but I'm not, because I just want to see him do well. Obviously, his longer the, you know, run of not winning, the more pressure he's going to be under. That's why when I said, look, I'm just saying that I hope he gets a win before Portugal. I probably phrased it wrong, Gary Erder. But, you know, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him take this team forward. The younger players that he's brought through, you know I mean, they've been the highlight over the last international windows. You've got Malumbi, Knight, O'Shea, Bazunu. I'm, I'm probably missing um, a Cullen. couple in that as well. Who? Cullen as well. Yeah, and look, he, he and he, he's shown faith in these players and he's given them international debuts. Eid is another um, Connolly, although Mick brought him in. But anyway, uh, basically all I'm saying is you look at those players and you, you, you put them in front of even the media and stuff like that and just they just seem to be switched on and alert and they, they seem to be comfortable enough at this level and they seem, they seem to really buy into what Stephen's saying. Now, I'm not saying that the senior players aren't because I think, you know, you look at Coleman the other day and, you know, in the games he's played, I thought he's been quite good and there has been other players too. So, I don't think it's as negative. Look, losing to Luxembourg is never going to be good. It's never going to look good to anybody, uh, unfortunately, from the outside looking in. But, you know, Derek has touched on it. Longer you've touched on it and Gary, you've touched on it. We are playing much better football, but we just always seem to just lose by the odd goal. If we if we're winning by the one goal, nobody says anything, and that's the difference right now. I think. Yeah. It's just fine tuning the last that that I say we fine tune what Derek went in depth again. I know we could be all here and we talking, but when Derek went in depth on the transition, it's only when he said it, it only dawned on me. I'm just like, yeah, that goal happened because of that. So, it's true. With the analysis, yes, 100%. If we fine-tune that, I'd say we will become that hard team to beat like previous times. But we're also scoring goals the opposite end as well now. So hopefully it works both ways. Well, what, 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 what do the fans want then? What, what do you want? Like, what do you want ultimately? Like, are, are we saying that the fans are now saying, let's... let's tighten up and only focus on, on being tight and, and organised and, and playing. No. No, like, I think it's a 50, uh, to be honest with you Derek, yeah. I think it's a bit 50-50. I think there's 50% saying, if I look at the comments and I, I try, I've i been trying not to look at them when I see full time <laughs> and we're losing games or drawing to Qatar, I, I try not to look at them, but it seems to be 50-50. I mean, there's people in the comments and they're saying Kenny out and then there's people who are defending Kenny 
Do you know what I mean? But there's some horrible, horrible stuff being written about him as well, which I don't, which I don't like. You know, it's it's so, it's, so, it's, it's not what we want, Derek. It's like I'll go back. Liverpool do it perfectly. We can high press and play football, but when we're defending, we're in a compact. It's that simple. Yeah, we can, it's we like can that, do both. I, I don't, yeah, I don't that, get that. I, it seems to be a divide to me. It seems to be some people are saying we're overplaying and we're trying to. Be, why can't you play good football and win games? That's where we're progressing to here. It's not going to happen overnight. Like. The true, yeah, hundred percent, and that's why. Well, that's what, why he, but that's people, why he needs but time. the people, the people are saying Kenny out. They don't have an argument other than yeah. the results. It's just Kenny out. Why? Because we haven't won a game, and that's it. There's no real substance to the argument. Like you gave a great point there. You know, if he does, you know, tune up things from a defensive point of view, then we could be onto something because yeah. we've seen like. Maybe we're missing a goal scorer, but like other goals will come. We've seen someone like Alan Brown step up and score a goal. Um, James McLean last night. Um, so there are players there who can, he can. Yeah, but Collins missed the chance against Luxembourg. I think if he scores that, it's a different game. I, I, I think we're probably onto a win there. I think if Long scores the one on one last night, we win that game. So as well as that, the players who who are in the box, to, you know, with the chances, they need to be taking the chances as well. You know, people give out about Stephen Kenny, but ultimately, you can't put the ball in the net at the same time, you know? Yeah, my only concern, and probably the only point I would take on board is it's important he sticks to... Whenever you listen to Stephen Kenny talk, it's always about you've got to stick to your principle and work on your principle. So, for me, yeah. the, the biggest negative of this window has been he's kind of now raised more questions than answers. Now now we're wondering, are we a 3-5-2 or a 4-3-3? And we're not kind of sure. Like, I think... He shouldn't have torn back like the four three three. That I go back to that video on that page again. Look at the clips. It it was working, and if there was ever a game to go ahead and have faith in what you were doing, it was Luxembourg at home. It was Qatar out in Hungary or whatever. Okay, Serbia, I can understand that, and probably a good decision. Then proven something the performance, but like. Set yourself up for your opposition. Don't fit players in and let the players you're fitting in dictate how you should be set up. Is kind of hmm. that, that's probably you could make that argument. Like, yeah, Gary, have you anything to touch on before we wrap it up? No, I think we've we've probably said everything at this stage. Probably, <laughs> probably said, you know, it's been really good though. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, uh, it has probably... been a great discussion. Great discussion, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I uh, just want to say a huge thanks to Derek coming on, David, and, and Gary's yeah. always. Uh, Gary hasn't had any sleep coming back from uh, Hungary, so uh, we let him get off the bed now. Um, yeah, we're going to do, probably do an analysis show in the next couple of days as well, kind of looking back over the three games over this window and just kind of what's good and maybe what's bad. Probably, 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 probably not. <laughs> say that again, the, the Wi Fi cut off. I said. Your fans are giving out. It's probably best we don't do that show. <laughs> I know. I think we'll do it. Um, but yeah, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you all soon. Let us know your thoughts on anything we discussed. And we'll talk to you then. The IFF TV Podcast. Presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate and subscribe.